0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 11 of the SmackDown Wind Down recap in the highs and lows from Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. I am your host and humble guide, Keila Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 11 of the Rasta Softopia Network is officially in the books. And what a week it's been! WrestleMania week started on the WST Network this past weekend, and it's been going on and on ever since. And now we can finally put the entire week to bed until next year as we focus on what's next in the world of professional wrestling, specifically WWE and their taping schedule moving forward regarding Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, and NXT. And we must include the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which is scheduled to take place on Sunday, May 10th at 7 Eastern on the WWE Network, but it will not be from the Warrior Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. That show has been canceled and will probably emanate from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando. but as I mentioned a week or so ago the state of Florida is under a shelter in place order until at least the end of the month. But for some reason, WWE is deemed essential and they've been allowed to return to taping episodes of their programming from the PC in Orlando. The initial reporting coming from WWE was that they was gonna tape a lot of shows in advance over the next week or so to make sure they had enough episodes in the bank to get them through the pay-per-view, but News broke late Friday night, according to Pro Wrestling Sheet, that Vince McMahon has deemed it important to go back to live wrestling from the WWE PC. Now, I am not a huge fan of this decision because you're basically asking people to travel back and forth when you're not even supposed to be doing this in the first place due to the stay-at-home order from the state of Florida. And I'm not comfortable with the wrestlers traveling from the West Coast to the East Coast, traveling back to the West Coast and doing it all over again three days later. I think that is unnecessary because you're putting your talent at risk traveling back and forth. That's a bit excessive in my estimation. And you're already bucking the system by saying you're essential due to being the media and you are on a closed set and there's no one there except the personnel such as the performers and the camera crew and the commentators. That's all well and fine. If you're gonna skirt the system, then by all means, Tape multiple episodes, then take your ass home for two or three weeks and repeat the process when need be. If you wanna do Money in the Bank Live on pay-per-view, then so be it, but then take your ass home after taping the following Raw and SmackDown and go on another hiatus. That's how you should handle this situation because you don't want one of your talent under any circumstances to contract the virus and give it to their family that is what you're doing asking people to travel back and forth short of you saying you must stay in Florida and tape 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 tape, then this makes no sense to me it's incredibly dangerous to play this game with people's lives I think fans don't care at this point if the shows are taped or not because it's the same there are still no fans present the matches are still going to be there, and sometimes the performers get elevated from being good to great or decent to solid. That's how it's going to go, it depends on who's in the ring. It doesn't matter if the show's live. Yeah, it adds an element of excitement, but at the end of the day, when you taped multiple episodes of Raw and SmackDown and WrestleMania, short of who was on the card and not on the card, no match results were leaked. So we would never know what's gonna happen on these closed set shows anyway. So by all means, Tape, tape, tape ahead and then go home and shelter in place. So that's where my frustration lies. I love wrestling. I've been loving this industry for well over 20 years. And I have a podcast to profess my love for it every single week. And sure, if they had to go on a break, it would suck but life moves on and hopefully business will pick back up and a sense of normalcy will return but I feel not so comfortable talking about live wrestling when I see talent that I respect immensely putting themselves on the line every single week in a live setting because. Vince McMahon deems wrestling essential and it must be live at all times. I simply do not understand the thought process of this situation, considering how this pandemic is ever evolving and ever changing week to week and hopefully in the next couple of days common sense prevails and the talent does have the option of saying well you know what if I wasn't comfortable working the first round of tapings prior to Wrestlemania then maybe I should sit at home for the second half of tapings until things get back to normal then by all means exercise your right to do so and I'm not going to judge or be smirched to quote William Regal those who decide to work and give the people at home some level of entertainment if you want to do it by all means, I respect your decision. I'll still cover it here on the podcast, but there is a level of uneasiness because of this pandemic. There are small signs, glimmers of light, but it's very faint and is far from a sigh of relief. But progress is being made. But I don't want WWE to get cocky or complacent because... If something does happen, welcome to the NBA. Wrestling is suspended indefinitely. And that is going to be the word and the end of the story if you keep pressing your luck. And I'm just going to leave it at that. It's a tough situation for me to be in. And it's a more difficult situation for the talent who has to perform for us. And whether it's for the love or for the fact that you don't want to lose your spot, I get it. But lives are at stake and this isn't a game. Safety is first, health is tantamount. If Roman Reigns can pull himself from the main event of WrestleMania night one, then surely someone else has the gall and the fortitude to say, I will stand up for myself and my family if you're not comfortable, which is perfectly fine with me. And that same rule applies for AEW as well. I feel uncomfortable seeing people close together by the barricades. That's not cool. That's not social distancing. That's kind of bucking the rules as well. And hopefully when they get back to taping their shows, probably in mid-May, that I strongly encourage them to tape ahead as well. There's playing that same gimmick of we're live and sure they did tape ahead, which is smart, but if they're in a state when shelter in place is over, then by all means do what you have to do. I think there's just a level of being incredibly uncomfortable when you're in a state and shelter in place is in order and you're still doing stuff live and if you're in a state and you have to stay at home, but because you're essential, quote unquote, if you're in WWE, you must fly out to do these shows. And that's where the uneasiness comes in. If it's June or July and we're still in this stasis of no fans allowed and there is a limit on people that can come in, or, you know, the shelter in place is lifted in certain states and you can resume taping, then by all means, do what you have to do. But please think about the wrestlers' families and the co-workers as well who they associate with to make sure everyone is safe. And that is the thing I'm taking away from this announcement that was released earlier tonight from Pro Wrestling Sheet that leaves me uncomfortable as a fan and as an analyst of the industry to make sure that everyone is taking care of themselves and that the higher-ups are making the best possible decisions. And in this case, this isn't the best decision. Quite frankly, it's a dangerous one. Now it is time for that classic pivot to the actual wrestling discussion regarding last night's SmackDown from the WWE PC. This was basically a show to build up to next week's show if it's going to be live. And I thought WWE did actually a good job of planning ahead to say, hey, next week is gonna be a really good show tune in as we get ready for Money in the Bank, have a couple of matches lined up for you guys and a segment or two to really weigh your appetite for next week, which I thought was smart. That's the benefit of taping ahead. You can't change your mind on storylines and your match outcomes. You got to go in and keep it consistent week to week, which is a good thing in my book. So I thought tonight's show was Fine, it was inoffensive, but I felt like next week was a more important show. And in two weeks, we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of Triple H being in WWE, which is great. A nice hook for WWE programming, probably gonna watch some classic Triple H matches, maybe have a little get together intimately with Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and maybe a few others on hand to celebrate the Games career thus far in WWE as a wrestler and executive and the godfather of NXT, Uncle Paul, we call him affectionately, these days and hopefully, perhaps, he can appear on guest commentary and bless us with his presence once again behind the desk while making us laugh at the same time like he did last month. So that's a good thing. But the rest of the show itself as it was presented last night was simply fine. We had Braun Strowman in a non-title match against Shinsuke Nakamura. I thought the promo exchange to set up the main event match was quite good, especially from Shinsuke Nakamura cutting one of his better promos in quite some time by making fun of Braun Strowman saying that when opportunity knocks, he knocked the door off his hinges and Shinsuke says, knock knock, who's there? It's me and I want a shot at your title because we already beat you before. We, as in Cesaro and Sami Zayn, when they took the IC title from him at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view back in March. So, the main event was set for later in the show, which I will get to momentarily as I transition To the first actual in-ring action of the evening, which was a rematch for the WWE Women's Tag Team titles featuring Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defending set titles against the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kairi Sane, another very good match from all four ladies. I thought this match was a little bit better than the one I had at WrestleMania because it wasn't as long and there were no jump cuts that made things a little bit awkward. They really work well together. I love their chemistry. They lay everything in perfectly and Asuka whooping ass, hopping on commentary, Nikki Cross jumping on the announce desk and them fighting and scrapping, it was Awesome. I love Nikki becoming a little bit more crazy and zany because that is her wheelhouse. I hate Nikki when she's normal and calm. She is a bat, shit, crazy maniac, and that's how her character should be played. She played it to perfection in NXT, and I would love to see that Nikki more present on SmackDown because she is great at what she does. The match itself, as I mentioned, was very good. The closing sequence was. Alexa Bliss hitting the Twisted Bliss from the top rope onto the floor onto both Asuka and Kairi Sane as it set up Nikki Cross hitting the swinging net breaker to retain the titles and will similarly put the Kabuki Warriors on the back burner for now. And that could mean one or two things, money in the bank opportunities, to go their separate ways, or possibly feud against each other. I would hate to see it, but at the same time, I would love to see it because they're great at everything at tag team wrestling, as solo stars, they're tremendous. Asuka has been the MVP of the empty arena setting this past month. She's been everywhere, Raw, SmackDown, wrestling talent from NXT, working her ass off of WrestleMania, being on commentary, cutting promos, she's done it all. She is an international treasure that deserves every bonus check in the world for putting in this work dating back to last month. She is truly a gift to this world, with Nikki Cross coming in a close second with some of her recent antics on commentary and in the ring. She's really turning it up in the best possible way. Tucky, or Tucker, faced off against Dolph Ziggler in a rematch from last week's show. I thought Tucker had a great performance against Ziggler. Everything he does is smooth, and for a guy his size to be as agile as he is and athletic is truly remarkable. He is going to be such a star whether he's in a tag team with Otis or on his own, which was the initial concern because Otis had the personality and Tucker was kind of there, but you know what? He's not just there. He is truly talented, a guy his size doing the things he does. Yeah, he can be a big hoss in WWE and the main event scene someday. I truly believe that same goes for Otis. They're better together but separated They could actually pull it off if the creative is behind them when that day comes. And I'm afraid that day might come sooner than we might think based on the outcome of this match. Tucker had a couple of really good near falls. Had a great high angle power slam on Ziggler for a near fall. Then had a crazy crossbody spot for another near fall. But Ziggler ultimately won the match after he... Hat Tucker run into the ring post, which led to the super kick for the one, two, three. One move finishes him off a little awkward, but hey. Ziggler gets a win back after being embarrassed at WrestleMania, courtesy of Otis and Mandy Rose. And Mandy Rose and Otis were gallivanting around, working out, you know, eating bananas and whatnot while Tucky ate the loss, which would probably plant some seeds of dissension in the near future, because Tucker might think Otis is too distracted with his newfound love, with this peach Mandy Rose to really focus on the tag team at hand, the business at hand in terms of winning the tag team titles on SmackDown down and he wants his guy to really get his head back in the game and not be high on cloud nine from being in love which is definitely a distraction when you consider where you want to be in your career versus where your career is taking you via Otis's love life at the moment so I can definitely see those beats being played in this never-ending story that will continue next week with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville having a confrontation as Deville tries to clear the air with her former best We shall see how that segment plays out. Hopefully the scripting is strong and the performances from both ladies are good. When you're best friends, you tend to bring out the best in each other and hopefully that's the case next week. The last thing I wanna see is two wooden performances when I know they can deliver so much more in a more impersonal setting if they were talking about donuts or playing video games and up, up, down, down with Xavier Woods. So that's what I'm looking for next week humans interacting and speaking truth to power while being relatable to the people watching at home. That's the key, if you can do that, there's hope yet. If not, then this will be another missed opportunity when it comes to WWE creative doing a disservice to the SmackDown women's division in terms of having compelling characters speak in a way that is totally understandable and that we as females at home can relate to and guys can say, hey, All women are not catty and they're not caricatures of what women should be and how they should act. If they can pull off this miracle next week, I will stand up from the comfort of my own home and give a standing ovation for a job well done. Surprise me, WWE creative. Surprise me. The Forgotten Sons made their Smackdown debut against the Lucha House Party. They won. The end, I have nothing to add. (laughs) I have not been a fan of the Forgotten Sons dating back to NXT for the last three or so years and they have given me nothing to care about. Recently, they were portrayed as babyfaces on NXT television due to Jackson Ryker and Steve Cutler's military background during their time in Iraq and Afghanistan respectively and that was a nice element but besides that, no video package, no sit down interview, nothing to really connect these guys with the people at home. three years, so I expect more of the same. They're in the tag team division, so what? The tag team division is deep with Miss Morrison, The New Day, The Usos, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, if they're taken seriously. So that is the level of competition they're facing and I don't think they can measure up. Maybe they will surprise me, but if he didn't do nothing for me in the 20 teens, then I don't know what you can do for me in 2020 and beyond. Just saying. In my favorite segment, of the night, we had Sasha Banks and Bailey talking trash about the SmackDown women's division, Bailey being proud of running through everyone, defending her championship at WrestleMania, spiting Paige in the process and Sasha Banks having a message to all the haters, screw you and I love their dynamic. And I guess whatever I said this past January has lit a fire under Bailey's ass because since then, she has really clicked as a heel, she's not moping, she's not depressed, she's cocky, she has a little extra oomph as a character. And can I say this for Sasha Banks? Since we've gone empty arena at the PC over the past month or so, her fashion choices have been at a 10. The woman has been looking phenomenal. And she's not just wearing the clothes and letting the clothes wear her, she is putting on a fashion show brimming with confidence and swagger and that's star shit i love it and when you are dressed as a star you're acting like a star you feel like a star because no one can touch you and i am digging it so whatever she's doing in the fashion game she needs to keep it up because everything she's wearing has been on point but before they could continue to gloat Tamina comes out and says you didn't beat me at Wrestlemania everyone hopped on top of me and pinned me so therefore you proved nothing and I want a shot at the Smackdown women's title and Sasha's talking shit and I love how she's encouraging Bailey to hold her back because she doesn't want to get beat down but at the same time is selling as if I can jump this bitch at any moment but hold me back hold me back hold me back I loved that little element of comedy from Sasha. And Bailey says, well, sure, I'll give you a shot at my title if you can beat the blueprint, the standard, the boss, Sasha Banks next week. And Sasha gives Bailey the side eye without Bailey looking at her, which was a great touch because Sasha is selling, girl, are you serious? I. Bit the bullet for your Wrestlemania, saved your championship, we're best friends, that's all well and good. But you're putting me in these uncomfortable situations to bail you out of another jam. But I love it because it's so much better than what they did the first go around a couple of years ago with this breakup. That you sense Bailey is using her friendship with Sasha to her advantage and Sasha she's gonna run out of patience eventually and she's gonna get a shot at that championship, hopefully at SummerSlam if WWE is going to plan for the long game ahead, depending where we are in the world by then. And I dig it. Sasha being a babyface, fantastic. Bailey being the oblivious heel to what's going on, but being a master manipulator at the same time is even better. To me, getting a shot at the championship, hey, that's a nice stopgap between now and possibly the Money in the Bank pay-per-view if that's when they're going to have this match take place. I loved everything about this segment because it forwarded a storyline for the future and built tension at the same time with Bailey and Sasha really being locked in with their characters so much so than where they were a couple of years ago, which shows growth and maturity and better writing. And possibly they have their hands and their creative process to make sure this feud is done properly versus how botched it was a couple of years ago. And if they really have their hands in a cookie jar throughout this entire process, good for them because they know their characters better than the people writing them. And it's nice to interject how you would act in these situations in real life and how you can actually make this pay off in a compelling way versus what we saw in 2018. That was so Bayside high for all of my Saved by the Bell fans out there. So this, I loved all of it. Great segment from top to bottom. And in our main event, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Braun Strowman handily beat Shinsuke Nakamura with a running power slam. Cesaro, my beautiful Swiss Superman, had a couple of distraction moments at ringside, but it wasn't enough as Braun Strowman quickly took care of business by laying out Cesaro with a tackle before dropping Nakamura for the win. But after the match was over, another compelling segment took place with Bray Wyatt inside of the Firefly Funhouse providing a brief recap of his Firefly Funhouse match against John Cena at WrestleMania as he rewrote history in more ways than one as we can no longer see John Cena, every pun intended, but now he wants to focus on his former Wyatt family member, his black sheep that he brought into the fold back in 2014. And he wants something from Strowman. He wants the universal championship because he grabbed him from the swamp, brought him into his family, took him in, and then Strowman betrayed him. And is owed a solid for that betrayal and Strowman is not here for Bray Wyatt's games. And he says, well, listen, I brought you into this world. I can easily take you out of it. And Strowman says, well, time you're ready, I'll be more than happy to let you in. And he says, bye! As Smackdown went off the air at the top of the hour. I thought this was an interesting segment and Lord knows the match will be far from perfect. In fact, I don't expect this to be a very good traditional match. If all... Bray Wyatt-Fiend matches must take place inside the funhouse, then by all means, let's do that. I'm just fearful of a traditional match between these two guys. They're not the best workers, and I don't know what dynamics they can bring to the table. They might surprise the hell out of me, but I don't expect much. But in WWE, you simply never know until you see it in the flesh. But overall, I love the back and forth conversation between both guys and the history writes itself. He is a former follower of Bray Wyatt and now they've gone their separate ways and history starts to repeat itself by going in this never ending circle that tends to circle back to the beginning for Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt at the exact same time. So this was a cool way to end the show. And next week is actually the more important week because it's stacked from top to bottom with a SmackDown tag team title match featuring the three guys that were not a part of the ladder match of WrestleMania, representing Miz Morrison, The Usos, and The New Day respectively, with Miz, Big E, and Jey Uso fighting it out in a triple threat match for the SmackDown Tag Team titles, should be very good. Also, we have Tamina versus Sasha Banks and if Tamina wins, she gets a shot at Bailey's SmackDown Women's Championship. And we have two qualifying Money in the Bank ladder matches for both the men and the women, which is great. That's a nice way to fill TV time and to have people earn their way into the ladder match. First up, we have Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro in a qualifying match for Money in the Bank, which should be great if they're given time to do their thing. And we also have Naomi versus Dana Brooke and a qualifying match for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. So SmackDown is stacked from top to bottom and hopefully nothing changes with the lineup since the show is most likely going to be live on Fox because now we know that these shows are presumably going to be live moving forward. Vince can change his mind 50 times between now and next week. So hopefully this is the schedule as of now. If anything changes between now and next week, I'll be sure to let you know right here on the WST network. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 11 of the SmackDown wind down recapping the highs and lows from Friday night SmackDown on Fox. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can follow me on social media at lady wrestling X there. You can find me promoting these podcast shows on the daily recapping the highs and lows for Monday night, raw Friday night, SmackDown AEW dynamite and NXT catch up on past episodes, dating back to the night after the warrior rumble as you get your WWE and AEW fix on your favorite podcast directories, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern with episode number 12 of the Raw Verdict Recap and the Highs and Lows for WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. Until then, enjoy your Saturday and your Sunday. Stay safe out there and watch those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.